Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the best freaking podcast in the world covering Pac-12 football. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio, and man... We have a crap schedule coming up, not going to lie. Not going to lie, it's not the best. But that doesn't mean we don't have good games to talk about. And, of course, we're going to review what happened in Week 2 of Pac-12 football. And joining me is Mr. Rob Bowron. What's going on, Rob? Oh, I'm, I'm still recovering from the heat in Houston. Oh, my gosh. So we'll talk about this a little bit. Um, if you, And I think people that have been listening, by the way, our, our download numbers have like really spiked. So thank you for listening to the show. Tell your friends, thanks for bearing with the bad audio. I, hopefully this will be uh, the beginning of delicious audio from now until the end of uh, bowl season. And uh, we went to, we're Arizona fans, we went to the uh, Arizona versus Houston game. We are not going to bore you with like a 30-minute conversation um, about that game if you want to hear the airing of grievances and like the the poll of whatever despair <laughs> the festivus poll um you can listen to our podcast at, at wildcat radio we certainly did that for 30 minutes so tune in uh, but we will not burden you with that we're going to talk about all of the pac-12 and to do that we have mr rick denice welcome back to the podcast hey guys happy to be on yeah happy to have you man and mr rick powell what's going on rick i feel like i kind of wandered into into a position here i what am i doing here again <laughs> you are here because you are a wonderful human being, Rick Powell. We are excited to have oh, you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so let, let's just get into this. So uh, a interesting Pac-12 week. Uh, certainly we had upsets. Arizona, of course, losing uh, UCLA, which wasn't an upset. I think everybody anticipated that. Um, just getting blown out by uh, Oklahoma. Not as bad as I think some people thought, myself included. But uh, Rob, let's get, go with you first. Uh, what were your impressions about week Week two. This is crazy. We're already into week two, man. Like, this is going way too fast. I don't like this. We need to pump the brakes. But what were your impressions about week two uh, Pac-12 football? I mean, the, the big takeaway is that uh, USC's offense may not be enough to help its defense win a Pac-12 championship. Uh, I mean, the defense actually played really well, and the offense let them down. JT Daniels did not play well. So that's I think that's the big takeaway, because that really does. Op- I mean, not for Arizona, but it opens up the south for nearly everyone else who's having a pretty good year. Like, say, Utah, who scored like four points at uh, northern <laughs> Illinois. That was a good time. So <laughs> I feel bad. All of our friends at the Utah Man podcast. Um, I am so excited that Utah is good. I really am. Like, I do think that that could be a good team. But holy Moses, like, please, they're making it so easy <laughs> to like make fun of that team. Uh, but yeah. I do think it was a bit like they won on the road uh, at at northern Illinois that was that could have been a trapped uh, game they pulled it out which is great and big players make plays you had chase hansen with that interception running it back for the touchdown that was a huge play for utah and they took advantage and really uh, you talk about good defense man uh anytime you can hold any team to like when they score six points or three points or whatever we'll get into that game that was pretty awesome rick rick denice when you were looking at this the slate uh, this past yeah. week, what were some of the games that stood out for you? Well, actually, uh, I I think what was most impressive is our reign over the Big Ten for the weekend, which was Colorado <laughs> beat Nebraska, yeah. um, which was a huge win and a renewal of that rivalry, yeah. which is awesome. And uh, and that's really exciting for our, our uh, Buffs fans out there. And then on on top of that, um, you know, even though we we hate to talk about them, Arizona State's uh, win over Michigan State uh, late at night, um, I thought was a huge huge win. And and um, you know, Herm Edwards 
Edwards as much as I think a lot of the national media um, had some question marks going into this season has uh, so far um, proven everybody wrong. And, and it was really impressive. And those are just from a conference perspective, just two really solid wins. I think that um, help with the uphill battle that is our national perception as a conference. So absolutely. And that Colorado game was so good and we'll break it down even more, but like shout out to our free, our friends at the free ball and podcast. They went down to that game and unlike Arizona fans in in this podcast, every time we go to an away game, we lose. Like we have never won anything anytime we've gone in any game ever. (laughs) And freaking Colorado just drops into Lincoln and just like drops a bomb on the big 10. And that was such a fun game to watch. Steven Montez came to play. You got to go full Montez man. And he is certainly doing that. Uh, Rick Powell, what were some of the games that stood out in your mind? You know, I'm still sitting here lamenting the fact that I took Oklahoma minus 30 and UCLA had that sleazy backdoor cover. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's that's that was pretty much the theme of the weekend for me. But uh, as far as our, our pick em, our, our contest is concerned, uh, you know, we got or the majority of everyone got Oregon State out of the way. So, uh, you know, that 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 was a positive for me. And uh, I think I went five and four in the picks, so above five hundred. You certainly did. That's, you know that that's improvement. You know, I I, I feel like uh, as long as we continue to improve every week, that uh, we'll be there at the end. You know, and and Rob, I just I just want to throw this out here. Hold on, hold on. Shame, shame, shame on you, Rob. Uh, what'd you do? The three and six. Three, Three and six. six. It was it was horrible. Well, I was well, let down by everyone. Yeah, that was, it was a rough week, and, and I think all of us will have a, a rough week now and then. And we'll get into our contest in a little bit. Um, wh- I want to give some love to Cal, who went into BYU. That is not an easy place to play. Um, BYU came into Arizona and won at Arizona. Cal, which is just a better coach team, goes on the road, takes care of business in BYU. That defense was so nasty. And I know BYU's offense isn't like, you know, going to light the world on fire. But anytime you see, I don't think they scored a touchdown until the fourth quarter. That's the second game in a row where Cal has uh, not allowed a touchdown in the first three quarters of the game. So shout out to Cal. I thought that was a big win. And like you're saying, freaking Oregon State, man. Now, I know our friends at the Dan podcast were like tweeting out, oh, there's a ton of talent on the team. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. It was Southern Utah. Southern Utah, but um, anytime a team is really struggling and uh, they turn it on is is fine. I know it was an FCS school. I understand that. I know, Rob, you're probably tearing your hair out right now, but with that said, I thought the numbers were really <laughs> impressive. It was good, and it was just a good win. The fact that they didn't embarrass themselves, uh, well, maybe they did embarrass themselves in <laughs> At Ohio State, but they scored 30 points. That was exciting. I was happy with that. So two games in a row for Oregon State, which I thought was great. Uh, Rob, am I missing anything? No, no. I think that uh, about, I mean, congrats to the Beavers. I mean, off the schneid. Yeah. Um, I And just Bryce Love got his mojo back. I, mean, I always like to see that against a good, that was a good defense at USC and he was able to finally turn on the the gas because man against San Diego State by the way how in how much in trouble is ASU going into San Diego State to play that defense that locked down oh. Bryce Love like 1.1 yards per carry or some garbage <laughs> to, to yeah. stick against them so I'm really excited about that uh guys am I missing anything uh else really in, in general in the Pac-12 right now no I think we covered it then it is time for the sleazy bets Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just 
bust a move. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Real talk. Rick Powell, your thoughts on that that sleazy drop? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Pass. Wait, what does what does William Shatner have to do with the Pac-12, Bryant? At Everything. least get some like errant Larry Scott quotes in there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He's a Stanford alum. You didn't know that. You're 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 an artist, Brian. <laughs> a misunderstood artist, but an artist nevertheless. Much like William Shatner, we have a lot in common, him and I. <laughs> okay, so we should talk about um, we we are doing our um, Pac-12 run the gambit. Wait, hold on. What, what did I call it? The Pac-12 run the gauntlet contest that is coming in two weeks and basically what you'll be able to do is uh, challenge a member of this podcast to a mono e mono picks against the spread uh, contest and if you win you get to move on to the next host you can call out any host you want you'll be able to go to our website wildcat radio az and put in your picks so you don't have to like email them to us and send them on twitter and all that stuff um so definitely do that because it'll be really fun if you are able to beat you can call out one host every week if you beat all six hosts and you can miss a week like if you forget to get in your picks you can like skip a week and then go but as long as you beat all six hosts at some point in this uh season we will give you uh some some swag we have some pack 12 swag that we're going to give away you will be able to join our private slack uh channel where we talk about the games and and we will forever memorial memorialize you memorial memorialize you on this podcast from now until eternity i mean you won't die, but like, you know, it's, it's, we'll do it while you're alive, but we will make sure to mention you every single time this podcast kicks off. So definitely join the podcast. Our website is Wildcat Radio AZ. With that said, Rick Denice. Back and back at it again. How are you feeling, man? You you finished first place yet again uh, two weeks in a row. By the way, Rick Denice has won all three of our contests last year six and three on the season, uh, six and three last week, 12 and seven on the season. Uh, what's your secret sauce, Rick? Wow, I wish I knew. I, I guess it's my uh, gut instinct and not going back and changing my mind once I make that that pick. I think that's that's the biggest thing I can bring to the table for anybody looking to try and beat us out there. Hey, there you go. Uh, Rick Powell, like you mentioned, you went five and four, seven and 12 on the season. I believe in you, Rick. I think you're going to make a, a roaring comeback. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> Rob, you went six, uh, three and six, ten and nine on the season, uh, and then I went four and five. I'm eight eleven on the season. Adams three and six, eight eleven on the season. Ronnie nine and uh, four and five, nine of ten on the season. Let's get into these games. Uh, we have, let's see, the first game. Well, we're, we're going to talk Arizona first, just because we just got off Wildcat Radio to talk about this. So eight o'clock p.m. on Pac-12 Network, Southern Utah at Arizona. Um, Arizona just just crapped the bed. I mean, it was really really bad. Uh, Houston 45, Arizona 18. Houston scored on their first three drives. They went up 21 nothing, and it was just over. Like, this game was not close. Rob, you and I were at this game. What were your general impressions? Uh, my general impressions were that this is a team that lacks a lot of talent other than Khalil Tate. Um, and I think that this team um, on both lines is going to struggle to get much push. Uh, and as, as a result, it's going to have to get very inventive with what it comes up with going forward. I, I don't know that um, – I mean – we get Southern Utah this week. Nice FCS team. Oregon State just boat raced them, but uh, I think it's I think it could be tough for the Wildcats. They may be a slight favorite with Oregon State, but they may be an underdog the rest of the season, both in the model and uh, in the spread. By the way, we're not making our sleazy bets against teams that are. Um 
that are FCS, except for Arizona. We're going to make an exception here. Arizona is a 21-point uh, favorite at home against Southern Utah. Uh, just looking at some of these numbers, you know, Houston's Derek King, their quarterback, 246 yards through the air, four touchdowns. It could have been way worse, right, Rick? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, a lot of things could be way worse right now, I guess. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's big statement. <laughs> we don't even know where we are, man. <laughs> um, and on the ground, Houston had 297 uh, rushing yards, 7.4 yards of carry. I mean, it was Arizona was beat so completely on so many levels that this team is in tremendous amount of trouble. So, Rick, let's go with you. And again, if you want to hear the area of grievances, listen to Wildcat Radio AZ. Otherwise, we're going to move on to some other games that are going on. Rick, who are you going to take? Arizona is a 21 point favorite. Are you going to give those points up to Southern Utah? The Rick tonight? I mean, oh, Rick Powell. Oh. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, I mean, twenty-one points is obviously asking a lot of this offense. But I mean, there's going to be some changes on the offensive line. Hopefully, the Wildcats can get some of semblance of a running game going. This Southern Utah team was boat raced by Oregon State. Why not let it ride on the Wildcats? Let's do it. Rick Denice, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm I'm going to take Arizona with the points here. I think that they are struggling mightily, um, but this is an FCS team that um, Oregon State only beat by what two and a half touchdowns, three touchdowns. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take us with the points, uh, and I think we'll pull it out. Rob, I'm gonna I'm, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm freaking going to take Arizona again. What are you going to take? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing Oregon State beat them by 23 and if you look at Oregon State's play calling I just think it's been better this year than Arizona's oh, by a long a shot um, I think Oregon State's defense is worse than Arizona's which is saying something oh man uh, I, I'll take Arizona what the heck I, I think Arizona could put up more points than Oregon State I am going to switch my pick to Southern Utah no. <laughs> I'm going to do it I'm going to do it. This is the Pac-12 podcast. We do it every once. Happiness hedge. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's a good point, Rob. And the, and the fact that when you have that big of a spread and you have a bad defense, I do think that, that you open yourself up to those those just crappy touchdowns at the end of the game. So look for a backdoor cover. I'll take Southern Utah. I, I'm sorry. That was I, so sleazy, but I'm just going to do I, it. No, I, I just want to literally point out that you just went against Rick's advice of sticking with your gut. As soon as you make the picks, you <laughs> yeah. stick with it. That was like yeah. the one piece of advice that he had to do well in this whole thing, and you just went against it. So you just broke the cardinal rule. Okay, so 11 o'clock a.m., Pac-12 Network, UC Davis at Stanford. Uh, Rob, you were assigned this game. By the way, we're getting a little bit more uh, organized here on 12-Pack Radio and Wildcat Radio. So, uh, Rob, you had this game. Uh, tell us tell us what happened when Stanford played USC. It was the game of the week, and then we'll go into uh, – there, there's no spread on this game, by the way, so let's just – just take some time to talk about the best game that that we saw in the Pac-12 outside of Colorado, Nebraska. Well, what happened in this game was that Stanford showed up and was able to stop USC on the run. Um, USC only averaged 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, and last year when they played uh, Stanford, they were averaged 4.1 yards per carry in the second game uh, and 6.4 yards per carry in the first game against Stanford. Uh, and ran the ball quite a bit more. I mean, outside of quarterback rushes in those games, they ran the ball 44 times in the first game, 38 times in the second game. Uh, USC, I think partly because the run was not working as well, only ran the ball 31 times uh, aside from the quarterback uh, in that game. But the biggest difference, of course, is just you don't have Sam Darnold. Uh, in both of those games, Sam Darnold threw for 300 yards, 
Uh, he had an 84% completion percentage and a 71% completion percentage. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how you win football games. That is, if you are, if you like, it, it helps to be good on uh, running the ball, but if you are completing all your passes, then you are going to score points. Um, JT Daniels managed a 47% completion percentage. Uh, and they did, they did throw for, um, they only they threw 36 times in the game, which is more than they threw last time considerably. So I think that Stanford's defense was a little better than we were, you know, their front seven may be better than we were expecting. Um, that bodes well because the offense still projects to be very good. Um, you know, USC's defense did hold them to 17 points, but USC's defense is also very good. Uh, I think that uh, the big takeaway here for uh for Stanford was that Costello was as good as he had to be. I mean, he was only 16 to 27 um, and he had one, one touchdown, but no interceptions. Um, and Bryce love really, you know, got off the schneid a bit after his terrible week last week. And he was 22 carries for 136 yards and they averaged 6.2 yards per carry. And that was enough um, to really get them over the hump. Um, if Stanford's defense can play as well as they did, because USC really still does have some talented backs and they have um, they have some very talented wide receivers. If, if Stanford's defense can play this well, I, I think they do have a shot um, against, you know, Oregon looks to be improved. And so is, and Washington looks very good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rick Denice, I was really impressed by Well, I wouldn't say I was really impressed. I thought that KJ Costello looked like he belonged on that field. I think there was times last year when he was playing, we just kind of went, Oh yeah, he's a freshman. Like he, he really is. Yeah. Uh, kind of overwhelmed by the moment. He looked composed. He didn't quite have, like Rob said, you know, the the biggest time, the biggest game that he could have. But he looked like he belonged in that game. He was able to move that offense and the defense. Like that was the biggest question we had with Stanford moving into this year was how is that front seven going to be? And the fact that they were able to um, not get just punched in the mouth by USC, which did that last year, was a big big step. So I'm really bullish on the Stanford team. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and before the the beginning of the season, um, I, I actually sold them short and, and I am actually going against um, what I thought they would be because that, like you said, that defense, that front seven has been tremendous through the first two games of this, this, uh, this season and against USC. Um, I mean, they were fairly dominant throughout the whole game and, and it was, it was evident. I think the two keys for Stanford um, because of that great defense are going to be for Bryce Love to get over a hundred yards a game. Um, you probably want them closer to 150. Um, and I think for KJ Costello to at least get up up somewhere near 60% in terms of pass completions, I think he was 16 for 27 for 183 yards. And if you can sneak a touchdown in there, um, I, I think that's worth it. But I think what we're going to see is that Stanford is going to be largely um, a possession offense and um, they're going to methodically drive down the field until uh, they get some chunk play and then they'll score, uh, you know, a couple touchdowns and that's about it. Um, I think that defense is, is elite. And I am interested to see when Washington and Stanford meet, um, how Washington actually matches up because I think that Stanford might have the edge in that, in that, uh, game. So, um, anyways, I, I'm really impressed by Stanford. It's, I can't believe I'm saying this about a, uh, David Shaw team, but is a multi-dimensional offense now where you want to stop Bryce Love. Okay. We have four wide receivers that are over six three like that 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 is pretty exciting isn't it rick rick pal yeah i i think stanford definitely has a lot of reasons to to be excited on on both ends of the ball i think that the uh the battle for the north is is 
anything but won yeah. by Washington at this point. And I think that that's going to be probably the best storyline of the Pac-12 moving forward is, is how Washington and Stanford compete for the top of that, those standings. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game was I'd be really curious to see how USC would, would perform running an offense similar to Stanford's. I think Rob actually tweeted something about it. Like at this point, if you're USC, why not just line up five offensive linemen, two tight ends, um, and just punch everybody in the mouth with your power run game. I would really like to see them do something like that because I think that that's uh, going to be something that the, a type of offense that would be more effective for them with the personnel that they have at this point. Well, Stanford's going to score like a thousand points on UC Davis, and that's very exciting. Uh, very exciting. So let's um, let's move on. Uh, we will definitely cover Stanford a lot more as the season progresses. Um, Two p.m. By the way, did I mention that this slate sucked? I think I did, but this slate sucks. Uh, Two p.m. Pac-12 Network. San Jose State is a forty-one and a half point <laughs> underdog at Oregon. Guys, what? Look, well, Rick. Okay, but Rick, break down what this other game. But but what on earth is Oregon doing? Like for. It was San Jose State, Portland State, and Bowling Green. Like, what on earth is – who put this schedule together? It's, it's the Alabama model, right? I mean, that's what they're going for. I <laughs> got him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Alabama model. Um, this So so Oregon versus Portland State last week, uh, just to kind of recap for everybody. Shame, uh, six, <laughs> shame Oregon, shame. There you go, it's – 62 to 14. Um, so basically what you can expect against a four and 37 team um, against, you know, that, that uh, is against FBS schools and uh, they, you know, earned a half a million dollar paycheck and they're coming off an 0 and 11 season. So um, I think this game met all of those expectations. Um, Justin Herbert uh, continues to just tear everybody up. He was 20 for 26 for 250 yards and four touchdowns <laughs> uh, before being benched. It's crazy, right? Uh, it's, it's insane. He's, he's, he's off to a fantastic start. Um, and they actually uh, put Burmeister in the last uh, series of the third quarter. So Burmeister basically had a whole quarter to play finally, uh, which is great for him. Um, they through two games, he's thrown nine touchdown passes to six different receivers. So the offense is really spreading the ball around really well. Um, and then uh, uh, basically uh, Tony Brooks, James ran for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, CJ Verdell ran for 106 yards. And so they're a pretty balanced attack. Um, they ran, they threw for 266, ran for 296 and had 32 first downs. So uh, the juggernaut just keeps uh, rolling right, um, right, right behind uh, Cristobal. And then um, defensively, uh, they actually held uh, Portland State's uh, QB Jelani Eason uh, for 111 yards and seven of 14 passing. He did have two touchdowns, but was sacked four times. Um, one thing to keep in mind, though, as we go through the season, is to take a look at Oregon's pass defense. And I think we talked a little bit about this. Um, uh, Portland State actually had a receiver, Charlie uh, Tompeu, who uh, caught five passes for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and it was his second game uh, over 100 yards receiving. Um, but he had uh, re receptions of 75 yards uh, and 49 yards. So um, something to kind of keep in mind as we go through the season. But, you know, again, Oregon's kind of cleaning up on the early preseason slate, um, I guess, prepping for when they have to get into the Pac-12 uh, slate in a couple weeks. But um, it should be interesting. Yeah. And we'll move on from this Oregon game. Shout out, by the way, to um, to the Quack 12 podcast. So they they, they sent out a gif of basically like their duck laying back and throwing shade at 
made it. I think it was like Justin Bieber or something saying, waiting for some real competition. You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, but I do think that there are some probably holes in this Oregon uh, team. So it'll be interesting to see if they can contend for the Pac-12 South. Again, they are playing a um, San Jose State team. So let's go real quick. So 41 and a half point uh, points. That's that's a ton of points. Give I'm going to take them. I'll take the 41 and a half. What about you, Rob? Uh, the San Jose State team actually lost to UC Davis in week one. They oh, lost no. to an FCS team already. Actually, Portland, Oregon did not beat Portland State any worse than Nevada did. Nevada beat them 72 to 19. Um, so I would really like Oregon State to cover uh, or Oregon to cover. I'm just not. That's a lot of points. Uh, I just that's that's too many points for me to take that comfortably. How about you, Rick Powell? You know, honestly, like San Jose State is so incredibly terrible this year. Um, the only way that Oregon covers a 41 and a half point spread is if Justin Herbert plays the whole game. And if Justin Herbert is playing after halftime, you fire the whole coaching staff <laughs> at this point. There's no reason that that Oregon should should beat the tar out of the San Jose State team. They have nothing to prove. They just need to get the win and get out of there. I'm going to go ahead and and take San Jose State and the points because Oregon should roll in this game and get it over with early and pull out before anything bad happens. Right on, right on. What about you, Rick Powell? That was um, me. Yeah, that was him. But oh, that's I'm sorry, Rick, did I say that? So confusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and take Oregon to cover on this. And um, I do think that Herbert will probably play uh, something similar to what he did this week, which is about three quarters. Um, I think Burmeister, though, is a capable QB and will be able to run that second team offense pretty efficiently. So um, I'm going to take Oregon in this one um, to uh, pull way, way ahead. All right. Three o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Idaho State is at Cal. Cal with the big win at BYU, like we mentioned. BYU moved the ball in the first half, but they could not finish the drives. Um, Cal held them to four freaking first downs and 94 yards in the second down, uh, the second half. They really did clamp down, which was really impressive. Um, I, I I really like this coaching staff, and I do think that this Cal team is going to be good. Um, Chase Garbers, I get, the one thing that to keep in mind, they're doing that stupid platoon thing. It's the Chase Garbers, uh, Brandon McIlwain uh, platoon right now. Chase Garbers was 18 for 28, 176 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. McIlwain had 16 carries for 74 yards, and he threw the ball like seven times. So I just I think if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So I'm just keeping an eye on that. One thing to mention, Patrick Laird, 10 carries for 30 yards and three yards per carry um, but he was pretty uh, aggressive in the passing game he caught seven receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown so he did get his but I just think this Cal defense did a great job with BYU um, let's open this up like for a minute and then let's move on uh, Rob BYU I'm sorry not BYU Cal <laughs> like what do you what are your thoughts on them uh, it looks like they have some momentum going into the Pac-12 uh, conference I mean, I think that, like you said, I mean, the adjustments that Wilcox uh, and DeRoyter make, I think they're the best at making adjustments that we've seen in the Pac-12. I mean, they really did it last year with Arizona as well in that game. They uh, slowed down to a little Tate in that second half. But um, I'm, I, I'm starting to have real concerns about this offense uh, and whether they're going to make the needed improvement for Cal to uh, be more competitive this year. I, I think the defense is going to be good again and, and maybe even better than last year. But uh, I'm this offense looked bad. Uh, and uh, like, I don't think that BYU is any great shakes of a team. 
Yeah, that's it. So uh, Kawani Noah had uh, 93 yards and a touchdown on seven receptions. That guy's the if you if you've ever played Cal, he's the short guy that always gets the pass on third down, like for uh, one more yard than than he needs to get that first down. Uh, so he is a good target, but it'll be interesting to see if they can find another top guy because they don't have a, a tall wide receiving core. So I do have concerns on that offense too. Um, let's go 4 p.m. ESPN three is what's listed. So it's going to be some on television. Oregon State is a five-point underdog at Nevada. Rick Powell, you had Oregon State. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Rick no. Denice. I did it again. Rick Denice. <laughs> Brian's having serious problems tonight. Oh um, so uh, Oregon State had a barn burner against Southern Utah, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, so we'll run through it. Um, basically, uh, our next two opponents uh, for the next two weeks uh, played in this game, so it's a great uh, game to go and, and watch if you're hardcore Arizona football right now, which I'm sure a lot of you are. Um, basically, Jake uh, Luton left uh, the Ohio State game uh, with a concussion and uh, was cleared to play this week, uh, but they elected to go with um, uh, Connor Blunt. So Blunt had a solid game going 15 for 22, uh, passing for 226 yards and a touchdown. Um, but was re- what was really interesting was uh, their uh, freshman running back, Jamar Jefferson, who rushed for 238 yards and four touchdowns, which was actually the third highest rushing total in Oregon State program history. So he was pretty amazing. And he was actually replacing uh, Artavius Pierce, who had 91 yards on the ground already and a touchdown. So if we can't run against this team, um, I am pretty much done for the season, I think. So, um, Oregon state also had six wide receivers with at least two receptions with Isaiah Hodgins, uh, leading all receivers with four receptions and 59 yards. Um, on the other side of the ball, uh, Chris Helbig, uh, for Southern Utah, um, had 340 yards, two touchdowns, a uh, really nice JC product. Um, Oregon state had, um, a lot of pressure on him most of the night as that line fell apart. Um, uh, but he had a really easy time kind of escaping that pressure and finding the open man, um, especially in some of those, uh, you know, broken plays and those rollouts. So, um, you Southern Utah play, uh, us obviously, and then Oregon state, um, gears up to play Nevada and, uh, and it should be a pretty interesting week. I love me some Oregon State on this game, and I'm even going to sprinkle some money on the money line. Woo! Uh, oh, yeah. This is going to be so good. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Rick Powell? Yeah, I, I, I believe it or not, Brian, I'm actually with you on this one. Um, I, I, I like Oregon State to, to beat this Nevada team. I haven't really seen anything out of Nevada so far this season. Um, and I think Oregon State's offense has proven that it's capable enough to to score a little bit. So it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that they're going to do well in Pac-12 play. I think that this will kind of cap it out for the, the season for them. So we're just going to kind of consider this their bowl game. And uh, I, I think that they'll show up to play. Yeah, I, I really do think there's some confidence in this team. I, it'd be interesting to see them on the road, but it's not like they're playing in the SEC or the Big Ten. It's Nevada. Uh, that place is probably not going to be rocking. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this game. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Nevada in this game. Um, I think playing at home, uh, Nevada, they didn't play well last week against uh, um Vanderbilt, but they, they did put a lick in on Portland State, like I said, about the same that Oregon did. Um, I think I think Nevada is able to to get it done at home. Okay, Rick Denice. 
I was so excited about this Nevada team until they fell flat on their face uh, at Vanderbilt last week. And um, I know Vanderbilt's an SEC school, but, um, you know, I, I had high hopes for them. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take Nevada playing at home. Um, I, you know, all the Oregon State fans are really excited, and there's some hope and some rejuvenation with the program after that uh, huge uh, FCS win. Um, but I'm taking Nevada to, uh, to uh, lay the points. All right. Well, let's take a break here and let's talk about our, our Pac-12 Eliminator Pool, the Survivor Pool. You can call it Eliminator Pool if you want. But basically, uh, thanks to everybody that joined. We had 70 entries, and the idea is you pick one Pac-12 team each week uh, to win. If they win, then you advance. If they lose, you're out, and you can only pick one team once in the season. So you have to be very strategic. And uh, it was an easy week. I mean, everybody took Oregon State, but some people could not follow directions and to them who are eliminated we we keep you in our prayers hold on hold on let's talk about them the dues 42 g guara Colorado. elrod scott b Winbuff, alamo bowl runner-ups and the pick 12 network you will be missed and you are loved. We will catch you next week or season or something. I hope. 51 remain. 51 entries. So keep getting those picks and you can send them um, to our, our email, wildcatradioaz at gmail.com or you can send them to uh, our our Twitter well, at wildcatradioaz or you can say, even send them to at 12 pack radio, which uh, Rob is running that Twitter account. So we are excited and everybody's going to take Arizona this week. I am certain. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to putting all of those in and a uh, shout out to the free ball podcast. Like all of your listeners never follow any instructions. So like most of the pe- the seven people that lost were all from the free ball and podcast. So uh, degenerates, all of them moving forward at 5 p.m. on Fox. We have USC at Texas. This is a great game. Um, we already talked about USC here. So let's take a look at the spread, which is uh, USC is a three point underdog going into Texas. This should be a fun game. What do you think, Rick Powell? I think that's absolutely ridiculous that USC is an underdog to play against this Texas team. I think Texas has been the most overrated team in college football so far to start this season. And I think that USC went up against a very good, tough Stanford team this past week. They're going to be headhunting, um, sprinkle it on the money line, man. Bring oh, it in. You're going to sprinkle it on the money line? <laughs> Big time. I think USC is going to dominate. Oh, feels so good. I love, I love the sprinkle. It's great. Um, dude, Rick Powell throwing some darts over at our friends in the Big 12. What do you think, Rick Denice? Do you agree? Oh, I'm 100% with Rick. I am so fired up about this game. And it just goes to the uh, what I always talk about, which is the national perception of the Pac-12 being garbage, which is ridiculous. And I am taking USC to to take this game and take it heavy. And I have no faith in Texas to do anything. So oh, um, I'm going USC. Okay. Rob, I Fight know. On. <laughs> Fight on, get out of here. <laughs> go, go call Alicia Del Toro. She's great. Uh, so, Rob, this this USC defense is quite good. This yes. their offense is okay. Do you think they can take care of business? Which apparently Texas that stadium is super quiet, so it shouldn't be a huge. You know, USC's there, so the stadium is not super quiet. I have been to that stadium at night when they played West Virginia. I mean, it is 
over a hundred thousand people, <laughs> it can get pretty loud. Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Back when they were good. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the caveat. Well, I mean, it's, see, it can. I mean, I, it has a reputation as not being as loud as some of the other major stadiums, but it's not really fully enclosed, and I think that's part of it. Um, so the model has this game as a toss-up. I mean, Texas is ranked 36th. Uh, USC is ranked 37. Um, Texas's offense comes in ranked 28, 25th ranked defense. USC comes in with the number nine ranked defense, uh, but only the number 43 ranked offense. Um, it's this is a tough. I, I mean, like I said, the model has this fully as a toss-up. Vegas is basically giving Texas the home field advantage. Um, I think I I think I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with USC in this game. It's really hard to say that uh, given how bad the play calling was last week and how bad Daniels played. Um, but I, I think team Martin's going to have to go back to the drawing board and come up with something better. And Clay Helton was the offensive coordinator before he was the head coach. And uh, hopefully they'll come up with a better game plan. I think this is a trap line. I think Vegas just lured you into their casinos and then stabbed you all in the throats. So I'm taking Texas. I think that, uh, I think this is one of those lines where you look at it and you go, Oh, there's no way there. There's no way USC isn't going to cover. They are not going to cover. Give me, uh, give me Texas. And, uh, I, I look forward to gaining one point on all you in our contest. Uh, moving forward at, let's see, 5 o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Eastern Washington at Washington State. Uh, Washington State basically did what it needed to do against San Jose State. Who was assigned this game? Was it me? Washington State did really well. All right, moving on. We have Washington, a six-point favorite uh, on the road at Utah. Utah, a six-point home dog. Beware of the home dog. Um I uh, th- this wash this Utah game was interesting, and uh, when they played Northern Illinois and Rick, you took care of business there. What what do we have? Yeah, so uh, I mean, this was actually a really really boring game, but I would like to point out, Bryant, that you were really high on this Northern Illinois team for, uh, for for the 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 picks against the spread, and and I think me and Rob rightly talked you out. Of, of riding this northern illinois bus so you're welcome for that extra point <laughs> you also in talked me into asu so it, so let's it, let's, let's put the brakes there <laughs> it, it, it was a sleazy backdoor cover by utah too, scoring 10 points in the fourth quarter this was a really ugly game to watch um being being completely honest um the the utah offense definitely has um a lot of things that it needs to work out uh, pretty decent performance from Tyler Huntley um, as far as pass completion is concerned. He was 20 of 31 for 286 yards. No touchdowns, but no interceptions as well. Um, the rushing game for Utah is very, very poor. Zach Moss, 16 carries for 66 yards. Overall, Utah only averaged 1.7 yards per rush on 39 yards. So, you know, really ugly rushing game, not a whole lot to be excited about in the passing game. Um, eight receptions for 129 yards from Britton Covey. Um, Jalen Dixon also had two receptions for 50 yards. A couple of longer uh, receptions for them both, 48-yard reception for Britton Covey, 41-yard reception for Jalen Dixon. And then as far as the Utah defense is concerned, um, that, that's really where I think they separated themselves from Northern Illinois. Uh, Cody Barton had 13 total tackles. Chase Hansen had two sacks. Um, you also had half a sack between Marquise Blair and Mika Taufa. Lakey Fotu also got in on sacks. So the Utah defense is doing a really good job of putting pressure on the quarterback. Um, they had a couple of quarterback hurries. Um, they did have a defensive touchdown. 
And uh, that was ultimately what was the difference here in this Northern Illinois game. Beware of the home dogs. I'm going to take Utah here. I really think that their defense is going to step up. I think this team's going to be fired up. Um, I don't trust uh, Washington's quarterback on the road. And, uh, and by the way, Stay tuned. In, a, in about five minutes, we're going to interview um, Alex from the Dog Pod and uh, Cameron from the Utah Man Podcast. We'll have a full breakdown of this game. But give me Utah. What do you think, Rob? Uh, I'm going to take Washington. Uh, they are roughly an 84% favorite in the model for this game. Oh, my. Um, they are, <laughs> that, always, that always makes me feel really bad. <laughs> he's going back on it. No, no, I stand it. by it. I stand by it. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, Utah's offense comes in ranked 54th. Their defense is better than their preseason projection right now, ranking in at 18. But uh, I think Washington's still too talented. The only thing that gives me pause is that Utah's going to slow this down so much that six points might seem like a lot given the number of possessions that the teams are going to have. But uh, I'll, I'll take Washington to cover. Rick Powell, what do you think? Yeah, I just want to know if like there's any kind of odds that I can bet on in Vegas that says that Washington's going to shut out this Utah team. Oh, snap. Okay. okay. I, I don't I don't see how they how they're going to score and Washington, you know, at that point only has to score twice. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take Washington in this game. All right, Rick, are you going to take the home the home dogs, the ones that are, you know, they're going to be so fired <laughs> up. Kevin uh, what's his face is What's it? What's their coach's name? Uh, McElwain. <laughs> Kevin McElwain. No, I've got Whittingham's calves are going to explode and blood's going to be everywhere and it's just going to fire up the team. What do you think? Are you going to take Utah with me? You were on fire tonight, by the way. I mean, your <laughs> drops and that description, it was amazing. Um, l- listen, you're, you're by yourself on this one. Oh. I cannot sit there and, and look at that Utah offense and go, wow, that is, that is a Utah offense that's going to take Washington to the woodshed at home. Um, I look at this game and, and I'm, I'm with Rob and Rick and in thinking like I will rest my bet on the fact that Washington um, is, is able to keep Utah out of the end zone um, quite a bit on Saturday. And I think it's going to be, you know, just like another one of those seasons where Utah fans are on their high horse, um, you know, riding through the pack 12. And then all of a sudden it's a, uh, it's a tough drop to the middle of the pack or the, or the bottom. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take Washington. I think Washington probably covers by two, uh, 10 points and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll run with that. All right, 7.30, the CBS Sports Network. Arizona State is a three-and-a-half-point uh, favorite against San Diego State. Beware of the home dog. I'm taking San Diego State, but I should. we should take a moment and pause. Like As Arizona fans, we have been throwing so many darts and laughing so hard at ASU and the Herm Edwards hire, and this could still be a disaster. I have not. Like, they, are no, they are not out of the clear. With that said, this team looks very well coached. Uh, now, they had a lot of penalties in their first game, but I watched almost this entire ASU game against uh, Michigan State. This Michigan State team was good, and they're big, and they returned a lot of talent. We talked about it in our last podcast, and ASU had barely, but they had what it take uh, took to win that game, and I thought they did a really good job. Um, that Michigan State team was bigger and more powerful, and uh, ASU was still able to handle it. With that said, I think San Diego State is really well coached, and uh, and I think they're going to do a number on this ASU team. I think this is the first loss for Arizona State, but even if they lose by like ten, I wouldn't actually take. If I were an Arizona State fan. I don't. I, I wouldn't be mad about that. I think this is a good San Diego State team. They showed, uh, at least to some extent, that they could bottle 
develop Bryce Love. So let's see what they can do uh, to Eno Benjamin in that running offense. And I think they'll take their chances in the secondary. So give me San Diego State. Uh, Rob, what do your numbers say? Uh that's bananas. Oh, uh, man, State. I'm the worst. <laughs> Arizona State has a 66% win probability, which is like roughly a touchdown. But um, I watched that whole Stanford-San Diego State game. I will – I mean, Stanford, when they couldn't run the ball, basically figured out they could throw jump balls to our Sega White side. And I think Nikhil Harry is better than our Sega White side by about 150 draft picks. Oh, man. All right. So you're taking ASU and you are absolutely right. I do think that's the one weakness. But, you know, they can just like uh, hit him and hit him in the knock the window. Manny Wilkins and Kevin Costello versus and like versus Kevin Costello and Nikhil Harry versus our Sega White side. Like that's an easy pick. It's the home dog. That's the that's just the home (laughs) dog, man. (laughs) No, uh, we shall say that. I'm excited actually to watch that game. Uh, Rick Powell, are you going to you going to are you going to ride with the dogs here? I don't know. I'm, I'm really torn. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been impressed with this ASU team so far. I think probably one of the bigger takeaways from this game is that uh, ASU is not going to get another Big Ten team to come and play on the road um, on a Saturday night in Tempe in September anytime again soon. They're now 10-0 and against Big Ten opponents that come in to play ASU in Tempe. Um, and you know, the, everything kind of lined up right for ASU in this game. I think that they've had one of their biggest questions for, for all of us has been how they were going to perform on defense, what players were going to step up. I think that Rennell Wren has been a phenomenal player for, for ASU's defensive line. I think that he has an opportunity to be an all pack 12, uh, defensive tackle, and then Merlin Robinson, uh, Robertson, I think, has been phenomenal as a freshman linebacker for ASU. And it really just kind of goes to show the disparity between the recruiting of Todd Graham and the recruiting of Ruth Rodriguez over the last three years. Um, that being said, this is going to be the real, you know, first real road test for the CSU team. Um, they're not going to have their, their home crowd backing them. There's not going to be any blackouts. There's not going to be any um, ESPN fanfare. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be able to get up for this game as they were able to get up for the Michigan State game. Um, I just had a nagging feeling about it, Bryant, so I'm going to ride with you, and I'm going to take San Diego State. My man, my man. And you hit on the right players, by the way, Rick. So uh, Merlin Robinson had nine tackles, one and a half tackles for a loss, and and Wren just blew up this guy. He like literally blew up the deep, the offensive lineman for Michigan State into that their center. quarterback. Yeah, it was and, awesome. and he was. There were two pulling guards on that play that he blew up as well that couldn't even pull around. It was the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen. It was it was really, it's like they should take that film and just walk it right into uh, our defensive lines uh, video room and just replay it over and over and look at Pat, look what pad level does to you. It's crazy. So. <laughs> no, it was awesome. And and what I was going to speak to that is ASU fans have been talking about Ren's uh, physical abilities for like three years, and it looks like he actually figured it out. So good on him. Like that's actually really cool. All right, we only have two more minutes left. Oh, sorry, Rick, who are you taking? Uh, go on ASU real quick. Okay, okay, ASU. So we have two more minutes until we do our interview with the Dog Pod and the Utah Man podcast. The last game is at, what time is it? It's the nightcap aside from the Arizona game. 7.30, Fox Sports 1, Fresno State at UCLA. I wish we had a little bit more time to break this game down because it is going to be a good one. You have, uh, what's his name? Jeff Tedford coming back to the Pac-12 playing friggin' UCLA. I'm actually going to take Fresno State. I just do not trust this UCLA team farther than I can throw them. I like Tedford. I like what he's done with that uh, with that team. They almost uh, snatched victory out of uh, Minnesota, wherever they play. <laughs> 
<laughs> Saskatchewan or something. I don't know. That's probably not even Minnesota. But where they went into Minnesota and almost won that game. There was a crazy interception at the very end. Give me Fresno State. Uh, Rob, what do your numbers say? Uh, the model likes UCLA with a 66% win probability, but the most of what UCLA has in the model right now is its preseason ranking, which is mostly built on their very good recruiting. I think UCLA is headed in the wrong direction here. Meanwhile, Fresno State has been climbing with its in-season results, so I'll take Fresno State in this game. All right. Rick Powell, what do you got? Yeah, I'm picking against UCLA until they can prove me otherwise. I'm going to hop on the bandwagon with Rob and take Fresno State. All right, Rick DeNice. I'm with you guys, Fresno State all the way. All right, look at that. On time and under budget, guys. We got it done by 7.30. If you're at Wildcat Radio, if this is the podcast you're listening to, uh, stay tuned next week. We will continue grinding on <laughs> through this terrible season. If uh, you're listening to the 12-pack radio, stay tuned. We're going to interview the Dog Pod and the Utah Man podcast and break down this Utah-Washington game. And uh, thanks for listening. Hey, 12-pack radio listeners, did you know that all of the advanced college football statistics from Rob's beta rank model are available online? They are. Check out our website, wildcatradioaz.com, and just click on the Pac-12 wizard tab on the front of the page. Rob has all of his numbers and projections for every Pac-12 team and for every college football team, for that matter. Will your team suck this year? Read up on the advanced statistics from beta rank at wildcatradioaz.com to find out. Okay, 12-pack radio listeners. I'm, I'm really excited. Like, two of my favorite people are on this podcast right now for two of my favorite teams, the, the Utah Utes and the Washington Huskies. We have Alex the Law Dog coming from the Dog Pod. What's going on, Alex? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. And Cameron Livingston from the Utah, Utah Man Podcast. What's going on? Howdy, howdy. What's going on? This is the premier game. Of the week in the Pac-12, Washington, the Huskies come off a, uh, a just a, a punch in the mouth of North Dakota State, you know, Tech or wh- whoever you guys played. I don't even care. <laughs> I can't believe you guys are playing yeah, whatever. North team. Dakota, but who's counting? Yeah, <laughs> like forty-five to zero or whatever. Um, but uh, clearly, this Washington team is quite good, and they're on the road at Utah. They are a six-point favorite, and basically, what we wanted to do is uh, the Utah Man podcast and the Dog Pod are par- a part of our. our podcast network so both of you guys are on itunes and tune in radio we should talk about that first so uh cameron so where can people find the utah man podcast which is excellent by the way yeah thanks um anywhere you can find a podcast itunes stitcher google play spotify we're all there and our home utahmanpodcast.com right on and alex where can people find the dog pod well yeah we, we're available on uh, itunes uh, android you know, all of that. Um, and we're at dog pod, D-A-W-G-P-O-D on Twitter. Yeah. And Cameron needles us all the time at Wildcat Radio. So uh, you can find them at, at Utah Man Podcast. <laughs> Definitely follow them mm-hmm. on Twitter. You have a heck of a following. I think this is this is going to be a fun podcast because both Utah and Washington have excellent mm-hmm. followings in terms of college football fandom in the Pac-12. And uh, I'm not going to lie, guys, I, I took the I took Utah in the points because uh, <laughs> I just think that this is such a big game for Utah. Um, and let me ask you this first, uh, Alex. Are you worried? Whoa. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is uh, not a gimme. I think if you look at the last two seasons, uh, I think Utah's probably played Washington tougher than, than anyone in the conference, certainly. Um, and uh, we've, we've won a couple of squeakers. It went to overtime two years ago in Salt Lake city. And then last year's 
Kyle Whittingham kind of boner at the end there that uh, that let us sneak through the back door and win that one. So yeah, this is definitely a huge game, and and I think it's probably not getting the attention it deserves. No, no, not at all. I think these are two excellent defenses. We'll get into the Utah secondary, and I think probably the two best secondaries in the Pac-12 this year, the, the Washington and Utah. Cameron, how confident are you that you're going to win this game by 30 points? No, I mean, you have to be confident, right? <laughs> Especially after that game against Northern Illinois. Oh, my God. Who wouldn't pick Utah by 30? Okay, okay, let's just stop real fast. What What the <laughs> heck was that? Uh, obviously, the team didn't want to be there. The fans didn't want to be there. And frankly, it's kind of a winning hand team MO where they play to the level of their competition. And you'll see... One week where they struggle and look kind of slow against a team like SUU or Northern Illinois, and then the next week play a an Oregon or a Washington or USC and, and battle to them right towards the end. It's it's something I know that drives a lot of fans crazy here. Now, my understanding is that Utah hasn't played particularly well in big games at home. Is that is that a misconception? And like, how does that play into Washington coming? This got to be one of the biggest games that you've had in a while, right? Oh, I mean, it's it's humongous. I mean, even in the off season, um, talking to the players, uh, linebacker Chase Hansen, I asked him, you know, what game is he looking forward to this season? And the first one out of his mouth was Washington, uh, especially you know Alex said kind of the the boner move by Winningham with with the timeouts at the end. And don't worry, Utah fans still talk about that. They're still pissed about it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, the team's looking forward to this game. They have been all season wanting to make up for what happened last year in Seattle. And, yeah, I, I think big games in the Pac-12 have, have kind of slipped through their fingers towards the end. I, there's only been uh, one or two maybe. You know, I think you have to go back to USC a couple of years ago when they, when they kind of won right at the end. Alex, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited is the Washington fan base to go to Salt Lake City? <laughs> Alex, be well, kind. You know, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful, I, I by the way. I personally love Salt Lake City. Yeah. I personally love Salt Lake City. But uh, I do have to say, you know, we've played a lot of these big games over the years, like Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State. And there, you know, a lot of fans traveled to Atlanta. I think Salt Lake City is probably not going to be super high on the travel list for the road dog. So I, I wouldn't expect too strong of a showing from the road fans this weekend. <laughs> and Cameron, how excited do you have a bunch of, you know, kelp saving hippies coming into to Salt Lake City to uh, to uh, mess with mess with the vibe? Hey, hey, everyone's welcome, I guess. As long as Utah wins, they're all welcome, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. All right, let's get into this because I do think the matchups are quite interesting. I think this all starts with Jake Browning, uh, if you're a Washington fan. So, Alex, uh, Jake had an okay game against Auburn, uh, certainly turned it up against North Dakota. But, um, you know, the biggest criticism in the Pac-12 from everybody, I think, uh, is the fact that I guess everybody but Washington fans that really do like Browning, I think there are some really good things to like from Browning. Uh, and when we previewed Washington on 12 pack radio, we had talked about Browning needing to make that step rather than, you know, throwing the eight yard pass when you need 12 uh, to be able to go for that big play. Have you seen him uh, be able to step up and make those passes this year? Because that's going to, I think that's going to be a big uh, step forward if Washington is going to win the PAC 12 North. Yeah, I think uh, the yards kind of what we talked about on 12 pack radio earlier in the year, right? Is is Browning just kind of nibbling around the edges or is he going for it down the field? Right. And I don't think that I've really seen that 
so far in the first two weeks of the season and his yards per attempt are at 8.83. So nothing, you know, dramatically different from his career averages and, and a couple of really boneheaded interceptions, which is very uncharacteristic of him. And actually, if you listen closely to the fan base these days, you'll actually hear some fans calling for his head and they want to see the backup. Uh, who went seven for seven for 110 yards oh, that's in never the fourth good. quarter last week against <laughs> North Dakota. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I think there is that frustration, that sense of frustration that's still kind of bubbling there. So, yeah, I think this is a really, this is an opportunity for him to, to do it against a good defense and, and see what he can do. And I, I'm, I am anxious to see if he's, if he's gained and improved on that. Cameron, one of the things that we had talked about with Utah was um, when you think Utah, you think trench play, you think offensive line, you think defensive line. I had some questions about this defensive line this year because you lost so many really talented players and you have to rely on the development from Whittingham and company. And for the most part, he's pulled through on the offensive line. I would argue that he hasn't. We'll get to that, uh, you know, a little bit later. We don't we don't need to talk about the offensive line. (laughs) Oh, no, that could be really bad. (laughs) Uh, But do you think that this defensive line will be able to pressure and, and put Browning in positions that w- where he will make those mistakes? Well, I think they have to, right? And and Alex, maybe you can, can kind of speak to that, but I, I think to kind of get Browning in, into bad situations is you got to put pressure on him uh, just from an outsider's perspective. I don't He's not a great runner. I mean, he can run, but I don't think he's the most elite runner. And, and so I think that's got to be key to stopping Washington's you know, kind of high power, high profile offense is to get Browning kind of moving around, make him uncomfortable, kind of something I think Auburn did a real, get a really good job at, um, you know, Utah right now is leading the, the country in pass defense with, with, uh, passing yards allow, allowed about 62 yards a game. Uh, granted their games are against Weber state and Northern Illinois. So not, you know, the most high profile names out there as far as college, um, offense football goes, uh, but it will be interesting to see if really if 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 that sixty two yards a game well probably won 't last the entire year it will be interesting to see how well um, the defense can kind of keep that passing yardage down throughout that, the season. That's yeah, like, I, I, oh, I, yeah, I, I wanted to Sorry. jump in there too I, I agree with everything you said, Cameron, about browning. I think it 's essential to kind of get him moving and get him uncomfortable. So I, I, that's something I'm going to be watching for as well. And I kind of want to talk about the teeth of this secondary uh, and feel free to jump in guys. So that was great. Like definitely do that. <laughs> uh, Utah has some really strong players in that secondary. We were looking at you know, when we previewed Utah and our completely uncalled for pac 12 preview, I kind of took a step back and went, Oh crap. Like this is a really, really good secondary. And I did not anticipate that. Who are some players that uh, Washington fans are going to need to look out for Cameron when they're looking at uh, the players that are defending that pass attack? Um, I mean, to start off with, I mean, Julian Blackman, uh, starting corner has really potential to be all first team Pac-12 uh, lockdown defender. R- really, he hasn't really been challenged in the first two games. Uh, quarterbacks are completely avoiding him. So, so Julian Blackman is going to be a name um, and, and a guy that I think a lot of Pac-12 teams are going to be hearing about this season. How about that? Those uh, safeties you got back there, uh, Corian Ballard and, and Marquise Blair. Again, you know, guys that last year were question marks, um, being kind of newer guys in the program, not not a not a lot of you know name recognition. But I think over the course of the year, people are starting to to notice that, and I and I think 
you know, between Ballard, Blair, uh, uh, Blackman, and then Jalen Johnson, the other corner. I mean, those, I mean, that's essentially why Utah's only allowing 62 yards through the air so far. Yeah, and those guys hit real hard. Um, you know, one of the questions that I had for Washington, Alex, was the wide receivers. Um, you know, we saw what Brownie can do when he had John Ross. He's gone. And then you lost uh, Pettis last year. What what do you have here in this wide receiving core? Well, I think that's actually been one of the bright spots of the first two games of the season for Washington, because you're right. Everybody was asking themselves who is going to catch these passes from Browning. Right. And uh, Aaron Fuller, who's a junior, who's kind of been banged up or buried on the depth chart a little bit has really emerged this season. And uh, he's actually leading the team in receptions uh, and yardage and had a monster game uh, against Auburn over a hundred yards against a pretty good secondary there. So, so they've definitely had some guys emerge, which is what they needed to happen to have an effective passing game this season. So I'm, I'm anxious to see them against a, a talented secondary in, uh, in Utah. Okay. Well, let's flip this on its head. Let's talk about Utah's uh, quarterback. Tyler Huntley comes in, highly touted, has shown some flashes, that's for certain. And in this, uh, Cameron, I'm not going to lie, this reminds me of last year where he has a really good game, the Utah fan base goes really nuts, and then he, he just lays a stinker. And that's exactly what happened with Northern Illinois it just seems like he hasn't figured it out yet because you can just see the talent, like it's dripping from him, but what, what I'm trying to think of like the right word for this uh, optimistic of him figuring it out against one of the best secondaries in the PAC 12 here. It's hard to tell, right? I I honestly think a lot of Huntley's maybe inconsistency and, 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 and whatnot really starts up front with the offensive line. When he's comfortable and can go through his progression, he, he can be a, a very dynamite player. But when the offensive line has been as poor as they have been so far this year, he kind of gets a little razzled and maybe forces things a little bit. Um, you know, maybe it throws off it, you know, his back foot a little too much. And, and so really, I think with, with Huntley, he has to be comfortable um, back there and and really i think this season he's not running as much as he has i think he's really trying to prove that he is a pocket passer um brian i think you kind of experienced that with tate <laughs> yeah it's like oh that's not good <laughs> but Be it's who funny you are, though, man. right all the all the whole off season everyone was was crying huntley runs too much he's gonna get hurt he runs too much he's gonna get hurt and now the first two games everyone's saying why isn't he running why isn't he running <laughs> yep so i think really it to look at the problems and the issues with this offense, especially Tyler Huntley, you got to start with, with the guys up front. All right, Alex. So you hear that this Utah offensive line isn't what it's, it's been in the past. You lose Vita Vea though. Do you have the, the dogs up front that can really make him uncomfortable in that pocket? Well, that's going to be a good question. Um, Greg Gaines is, I think, off to a good start. Um, he was kind of the returning stud up front there, the big 300-pound, you know, tackle, nose tackle type of guy. I think when we talked on 12-pack radio, I, we were kind of looking at Levi Onwuzarike as mm-hmm. the big pass rush threat. Um, that's actually kind of turned into a redshirt freshman by the name of Ariel Nagata. He's uh, been the guy who's really emerged, and he was on the field uh, on the in the fourth quarter against Auburn. 
So they clearly have uh, started to trust him in that pass rush role. So I think fans are now looking to him as the guy to kind of lead the pass rushing. But, uh, but to just be honest, I mean, the pass rush just wasn't where it needed to be even against the North Dakota last week. So I think that's definitely a serious question mark the Huskies have. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Cause you know, you look at, you, know, you play Auburn and you look at that Auburn defensive line, you go, all right, like you, you got to push. I thought Washington played really well, you know, all things considered the talent that they were playing against, but the fact that they weren't really putting the pressure on North Dakota, I think that uh, raises some flags. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can stop this running attack from, uh, from Utah. Can you kind of just describe what makes Zach Moss so special, uh, Cameron? He's just powerful, right? When he can just get full steam and just run guys over, that's his game. When he tries to dance around and kind of look cute, that's when he gets stopped. Um, and I think he kind of figured that out last year, kind of halfway through the year, just how powerful he was. Uh, you know, he, he might not be the fastest running back in the league, um, but I think pound for pound, he might be the strongest running back in the league. And, and I think he's kind of figuring that out and using that strength um, to kind of carry his, his rushing game. He is quite good, and so is the linebacking core of Washington. You got some friggin' nasty guys back there. And when you look at what uh, Washington has done in the past, I want to say that you guys allowed like 3.2 yards or 2.8 yards a carry last year. It was one of the best uh, run defenses in the country. Uh, can you kind of walk through this linebacking core and, and some of the players to look out for? One of my favorite things to watch, by the way, is like an inside linebacker that's so disgustingly nasty and just run around and just douche people all day like it is so fun it's one of the like highlights of college football because oftentimes they're so much bigger and faster than everybody and I think you got a couple of those guys yeah I mean I, I think a lot of those huge numbers that we put up the last couple of years I do think you have to tip your cap to Vita Vea on yeah. a lot of that I mean he was commanding double teams throughout and all that but I do think that Ben Burkirvin who's really emerged as kind of an all-conference candidate and middle linebacker for Washington he's really fast he's a sound tackler uh, he takes good routes. He's, he's just a smart, like solid, good player. Um, and then you've got uh, Tevis Bartlett, who they kind of can move inside or outside um, at, at, on the linebacker side. And, you know, he's really emerged. These guys are all juniors and seniors. They're very experienced. So, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think they've had their best two games, but I expect them to come around, and I think that they will be um, effective for the rest of the season. And uh, I'm looking for them. I mean, the dogs are going to need them against Utah for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, and there's always a good running game when you talk about Utah. Uh, Cameron, is the pass blocking, I'm sorry, the run blocking uh, better? I mean, sometimes you have an offensive line that can't pass block or pass protect, but they can open gaps. Have you seen that so far? Um. I think they're both poor. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. <laughs> the the line's just been been bad, Run, passing or running. I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative here. I'm just trying to call it as I see it. They're just they're not That's up to pretty par. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the you know the biggest thing is with Troy Taylor coming on board um, last year. They they've really tried to design more of a zone blocking scheme. Um, and a lot of these guys were recruited, you know, to run a, a power running game and more, you know, man on man blocking. Um, and, and I think there's, it's just, I don't know if it's not a, a good fit or if they're just not catching it mentally, but, but yeah, I mean, I would love to say, oh, this blocking is better than that blocking, but just so far two games in, you can't say that. 
I, I have almost committed an international crime by not mentioning Miles Gaskin, you know, 15 minutes into this podcast about Washington. I mean, Miles Gaskin is one of the best running backs that, that's ever been on the field in the Pac-12, a four-year starter. I mean, the guy is just a monster. And you have a good backup here. Can you talk a little bit, Alex, about what makes uh, Gaskin so good and why his backup is so legit as well? It, and I got to throw this in. Where was Gaskin last game against North Dakota? Ah, you know, that that's something that Peterson has had to answer a lot of questions for, not just this year, but in the last couple of years, especially when we played the softer non-conference opposition, he really is judicious about how he puts a, uh, in Gaskin in the game. He, he kind of saves him for those big, uh, or for the conference games or for the big out of conference games. So, I, I don't. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Um, it's for, in terms of what makes Gaskin, I think, so effective. I, he's just so shifty and he can hit the accelerator so quickly. And in the college game, it just makes such a difference. I mean, you know, you just give him a little bit of a crease, and he finds finds somewhere to go. And I think a lot of fans in, in Seattle right now are, are kind of nervous, and because you know he hasn't really had uh, a big breakout. Uh, to start the season, especially in that North Dakota game, as Cameron mentioned, but um, I am not worried about him in the long term. And I think the uh, Washington offensive line has showed up better than I would have suspected if you told me Trey Adams was going to miss the season. So I, I, that running game is not something I'm really concerned about. Is So Trey Adams is out the whole season. Is Hunter Bryant still like wandering around? Well, yeah, they, Peterson's really quiet on Bryant. I, I don't think we're going to know until he literally just puts on a uniform and shows up one, one day. So that one, I'm, I'm just kind of keeping a bookmark on. I'm going to look for later Adams. They're saying he basically uh, had recovered from that ACL, but they said something had happened with his back. They were pretty mum about it going into the Auburn game. Cause I don't think they wanted to tip off their opponent, but uh, he didn't get on the plane. And he had back surgery, and I think he's expected to miss the entire season at this point. Although Peterson has got into a couple of nasty uh, back and forth with local reporters about that issue, so he doesn't want people asking about it. <laughs> Nothing like having your coach fight with the media. I feel like that's a trend that is uh, accelerating and cannot be stopped. Um, you know, let's right. let's talk about the opposite side here with uh, Cameron, your linebacking core. I thought that that was probably the biggest weakness of. Uh, the Utah defense coming into the season. I know that, that you had the BYU transfer come in, so that's probably a good thing. How does that linebacking core look, and do you have the horses there to stop uh, not just Miles uh, Gasson, but is it Savon Ahmed? How do, you, how do you pronounce that, Alex? Salvan Ahmed, yeah. Salvan Ahmed, okay. Hey, who is quite good? <laughs> yeah, so I think Utah's linebackers, I totally agree with you, Brian. I think going in the season, a lot of question marks, um, but they've actually proven to be maybe could be the best position group on the defense for Utah this year. Uh, Chase Hansen has just been playing lights out, uh, converted safety in linebacker. And, and he still kind of plays like, you know, kind of that free safety uh, consistently around the ball um, every play. And, and even Cody Barton, who's had a lot of question marks about his career on what kind of player he could be, has really made a big step this this past season. And you mentioned Francis Bernard, the transfer from BYU. He can't even get on the field right now. Oh, snap. And, you know, <laughs> two, two months ago, everyone was thought that he could be starting if, if the transfer went through. Yeah. yeah. And be the guy like that. That is crazy. And that speaks very highly of the uh, the ability to really get that that core up and, and coach up those kids. That's pretty exciting. Um, 
Let's talk special teams here. Okay, so like I am uh, I, I am a fan of Mitch Wisnowski, and uh, I think you guys have a, a really good special teams. But it seems like the coverage has been like eh, like okay. How, how is that special teams looking right now? It, it's it's been really fluky the last two games. We've had Utah's had two blocked field goal attempts in week. They had one in week one and, and a second one this last week. And I think the last one that was blocked before that was like 2012. Um, so, so really weird to even have, for Utah to have one and then have it have one back to back games. I mean, it, it's more than than just one mishaps. And then the same thing with a muffed punt. They had one against Weber and they had another one against Northern Illinois. Okay. And so these things that. You know, you could always hang a star on with Utah's special teams. It's actually starting to give me a little heartburn, I have to admit, when they run out there now. <laughs> well, you talk about heartburn. Alex, can uh, he has a ton of tums there uh, from last year <laughs> with uh, the kicker problem over there. Now, I'm not going to lie, Alex. I was watching the I watched the whole Auburn-Washington game, and uh, your your kicker goes up, and, I, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and, of course, he shanks it, and I'm like, oh, no, is this going to be a problem? Has it been a problem since then? I just uh, – excuse me for not watching the North Dakota, uh, you know, Little Sisters of the Poor game. <laughs> that was going on there no I, I think you're right everyone's heart was a little bit of flutter and and in fact i i think i've uh, i'm still finding some gray hairs that i popped uh last year watching our kickers but peyton henry who's the freshman who's kind of won the job over the incumbent van soderberg there he's been pretty solid i mean he did make four field goals in um or sorry three field goals and then an extra point in that uh auburn game and he did miss one you're right. And one of his makes the hit the crossbar and <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. Uh, hit, the, hit the post and then, and then like barely rack ratcheted in. Right. So yeah, I think fans were a little bit nervous. I'd say that those nerves are calmed a little bit on the kicking side of things. Um, I, I do think though, that for, for in terms of special teams, kickoffs have been a little bit of a problem. Uh, Henry isn't the guy who does kickoffs and they just have not been able to get the ball uh, down the field. Um, and, and, and yeah, to make matters worse, our, our punter, Joel Whitford, um, has some kind of undisclosed, uh, leg injury. So they are, they're already into their backup punter is a guy named race Porter who can kick it far, but he kicks it pretty low and they just have not figured out the coverage on that. So yeah, special teams have been shaky, but not where you would have expected going into the season. Okay. Alex, do you have any questions for Cameron? Well, Cameron, I'm wondering if you think Tyler Huntley is going to be the guy that can lead the Utah Utes down the field if they're uh, losing a tight game and they need a touchdown drive. You know, that's a great question. And I think one that Utah fans are even asking themselves two years now with Huntley, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. At times, yeah. he At times, he looks like he's phenomenal that he could – compete to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league and then you know the next series he looks just like an average quarterback in the league um so so i think that's that you know that's a terrific question i I wish i could answer for you but we haven't seen it okay okay that's never good (laughs) especially against a team like washington uh cameron you have any questions for alex yeah so chris peterson has always had winningham's number even going back to Boise State, what is it about Chris Peterson and the program he runs that just he makes it so dang hard to beat him and everyone hates him? 
Well, I didn't know that everybody hated him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it's because they can't beat that him. That's he, why they hate him. Well, yeah, that, that's always how I felt about Chip Kelly, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think Peterson is just a guy who's he's really into details and he's really into the finer points of the game. And he, you know, just he gets these guys up for big games. I know they haven't always won. They haven't always played, but up, uh, you know, to the, to their best. But I do think that they do get up for these games. And then when we, when we haven't won those games, it's more of a talent issue than a coaching issue, in my opinion. And so I think against a Whittingham team, I think he says, Hey, we're going to play the tape. These guys are good. They know what they're doing. You can't, you know, not show up in a game like this. So he, he is going to have them ready to play this game. The question is, you know, it comes down to the last play or the last series, like it did last season. You know, do you get the ball to bounce your way and do you get those breaks? And I think that's what this game is going to come down to on Saturday. Right on. Are we, uh, anything else you guys want to cover? Do we miss any glaring points here? I think we're good. I'm excited to get this one kicked off. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. All right, time to put our money where our mouth is. Utah is a six-point underdog. Beware of the home dog. Beware of the home dog. Uh, Cameron, do you think that uh, Utah has what it takes to at least cover that and or win it? I think they have what it takes to cover. Winning, I just I don't. And especially with Utah's track record against Washington, you know, since they've joined the league, I think they're one and four against them. And, and like I said, Chris Peterson has had winning hands number going back to Boise State. So until Utah can prove that they can beat Washington, I'm, I'm going to pick the Huskies every time. OK. And Alex, at altitude on the road, wow. that stadium is going to be rocking. I know like I, I six points is could be a lot. That's asking a lot of a team to play a coach, a, a well coached team that knows Washington um, and has played well against them. Uh, do you think you think you got what it takes to cover? I think six is a lot of points, man. I, I think that, uh, you know, when we kind of cover these gambling spreads i kind of factor in that maybe washington or a usc or whatever always gets a point or two uh that they might maybe don't deserve and we always think utah is kind of you know the team that doesn't get the point or two that they do deserve so i am i i think that's a lot on the line but honestly you know i i do think washington i think this is going to be a good season for them i think they're ready for this game they've already played across the country um and I, yeah, I, I expect them to come out and give it their best. And, and, and when they do that, I do expect them to win. And I, I really just think it comes down to, I think their defense is going to be really tough on Tyler Huntley. And that's, you know, the, the X factor in the game, I think. Oh yeah. And before we wrap it up, I like almost skipped over the, the secondary for Washington. Did we go, did we get into that yet? Well, not too much, but I mean, yeah, they, they haven't really set the world on fire in this, in these first two weeks, but I mean, they have the talent and especially, uh, especially at the corner position, you know, if, if you get if teams without big, tall receivers, I think we can, we, we do a lot to really swallow those guys up. I think we, where we have trouble is with those tall receiver matchups. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. So the Utah man podcast and iTunes, Google play tune in radio, you name it. They're there. Uh, camera, where can they find you on Twitter? At Utah Man Podcast. Yeah, fun and an excellent follow, by the way. You guys do a great job, you know, just letting people know what's going on on the Utah front. And then the Dog Pod, same thing, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, you name it, they're there. And where can people find the, the Dog Pod, uh, Alex? 
D-A-W-G-P-O-D, DogPod on Twitter. Right on. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for uh, everybody for tuning in to 12-Pack Radio. We will continue trying to get you uh, kind of unique conversations like this as we go throughout the season. And uh, let's let's all uh, look forward to a great week. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Alex. And go Utes. Go dogs.